Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, welcome back. Chase Thomas podcast. Taping this on a Tuesday night. Old friend of this very podcast, Tom Kakert, is here. He is just. He's he's hiding in the shadows from a. <laughs> from a certain head football coach who is all fired up after uh, yet another rough, I think we could say embarrassing loss to another Big Ten school on Saturday to the Ohio State Buckeyes. The Iowa Hawkeyes are unfortunately the talk of the town uh, in college football media and not for the reason that both Kirk Ferentz and uh, I imagine you and the Iowa faithful would prefer that to be the case. Uh, what is it like on the battlegrounds? Does it feel like you're at war? Like, what, what does it feel like covering this year's Iowa team, Tom? Uh, it is a uh, a slog is mm-hmm. kind of the way I, I would term it. You know what's wild is um, a little more than a year ago, year mm-hmm. and maybe a week or two, Iowa was number two in the country, 6-0 yep. and all, uh, after beating Penn State. And mm-hmm. now they're... 131st in total offense per game, uh, 131st in first downs per game at 12.6, 127th in the country in rush offense, 122nd in pass offense, and that includes, you know, when you throw the service academies into 131, uh, so they don't even throw the ball. Uh, Mm. Yeah, they're just, they haven't scored an offensive touchdown in 28 straight drives. That's insane. Two games, no offensive touchdowns. The only touchdown they've scored is a uh, um, a, a scoop and score, a sack scoop and so- score by defensive end Joe yep. Evans, and that was it. That's it. It's and it has been in. The, the defense has outscored the offense in three of their seven games this year. It's incredible. I mean, you couldn't even – if somebody would have told me these things before the season, I would have told told you that that you were crazy, that, that that it couldn't happen. Yeah. How is it happening? Explain it to me. As someone who has not watched every Iowa football game, sure. why is this offense so bad? Why is it so inept? You're a smart man. Just watch Tennessee football. Oh, let me tell you, Tom, it is an absolute delight to watch Tennessee football each and every week right now. But I've been where you've been. Like the Jeremy Pruitt era was not that long ago. (laughs) I know it wasn't. It can change very quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's a combination of things. I think a lot of people are pointing towards um, Brian Ferentz, son of Mm -hmm. Kirk Ferentz, who, um, you know, got had the um, was the subject of the dust up after the Ohio State game between Doug Lake Maurice from the Cleveland Plain dealer and Kirk Ferentz and their exchange over nepotism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also the quarterback play just hasn't been good. Um, they are thin at wide receiver, and I don't think there's a ton of there's some nice kids there, but there's just no guys that get any real separation on a. Uh, consistent basis at the wide receiver position. Uh, and they are extraordinarily young and inexperienced along the offensive line. Mm-hmm. That's all kind of a, uh, kind of a, a, a really bad witch's stew of, of trouble for, for Iowa in it. Um, and it's, it's an offense that is kind of an antique. Mm-hmm. It, we kind of, uh, my friends and I joke that the Iowa offense is like that that uh, that car that you had in college that was about that has about three hundred thousand miles on it, and you just keep kind of 
ticky tacking it together to make it run, uh, mm-hmm. but everything's rusting out and it's, yeah. uh, you know, it, it needs a, you just need to go get a new car. That's the Iowa offense. It's just, it's a relic. Um, and you're seeing, it's interesting to me because looking at things nationally, the same situation is at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Literally the same situation where it's an antiquated offense, an old school grinder, run the ball, um, you know, 50-50 kind of slow-mo ball uh, offense. And you see what A&M is struggling with. Um, and, and The problem maybe- is the, the biggest difference there and why there's probably a lot more heat on Jimbo is just the money involved. Where oh, you get so much number one class, yeah. Yeah, Iowa does not have the talent that A&M yes. has. But that's that maybe raises your eyebrows even more hmm. that maybe this style of football is is uh, just you can't run it anymore. You know, I mean, Pat Fitzgerald in Northwestern, he's run into yeah. this. Uh, yeah. A lot of those sco- coaches who are following that model, I think it's changed although, very very although, quickly. Although you're seeing in Champaign, Illinois, true, you're you're seeing the that ball that kind of ball is working. Mm-hmm. Good defense run the football, uh, quarterback doesn't make mistakes. I mean, you can win with it, but it the margin for error is always just so tight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Iowa kind of masked some of their issues last year by 24 interceptions and, multi, you know, 31 takeaways in total. They were like and, Georgia on defense. Like this team was that, I mean, that's really what they were, the Big is, Ten Georgia. And this is um, this defense is good. I mean, they should be five and two mm-hmm. if they had any semblance of a of a even a below average offense. Yeah, they would have they would have beaten uh, Iowa State for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a game they should have won. They were uh, in the Michigan game beaten, at home. They would have beaten Illinois. Yeah, you know they they just they would have won both those games. Uh, if they just had an a below average offense and not the worst offense in the country how much of it is charlie jones transferring to purdue did that was that is that affect at all not really um Mm -hmm. you know it's so fascinating though because that's kind of like the you know they uh, purdue actually picked up two iowa wide receivers tyrone tracy is there as well he was Mm. the first one to go yeah Uh, but he doesn't play as big a role as charlie jones Charlie's success is is in large part the offense. Yes, it's a throwing offense with Brom, and he's always had a feature guy. You know, before it was David Bell, now it's Charlie Jones. But um, Charlie just has really good chemistry with Aiden O'Connell. They're mm. high school friends. They've been friends mm. um, well, you know, for for years and th- thrown and passed. So they just kind of have a really good chemistry, but. You know, coming into after last season, Charlie was like their probably their third or fourth receiver, mm-hmm. you know, but then they've Keegan Johnson, who was supposed to be their number one guy, has played one half of football this year for Iowa. He's had a hamstring issue all year. Uh, I doubt he's going to play uh, anymore this year. And um, they didn't have him. They lost Charlie. They lost Tyrone. Uh, Nico Regani, who's probably their number one guy. Now that's out there, he missed the first couple games with a broken foot. Um, they, another young guy, uh, Deontay Vines, broke his wrist in fall camp, uh, and, and he just came back and played for the first time this year uh, last week against Ohio State. So they just, they are super thin 
at wide receiver. And they just don't have guys that can stretch the field. And, you know, Spencer Petras um, has struggled. Uh, I mean, those two interceptions he threw uh, against Ohio State, it it made me think of that that Sam Darnold situation uh, a couple years ago. Remember when he said that Monday night game, I think I'm seeing ghosts out there. Yeah. Uh, it, it was like that because it's just like he just looked befuddled. He mm. threw first play of the game, uh, he throws it right to an Ohio State guy. Mm. Then uh, right towards halftime, he threw um, – throwing right into uh, the linebacker's hands. I don't know where he was throwing it. Uh, and it's just, and that's when they made the decision to go to Padilla for the second half. Now this week it's up in the air. He hasn't, Kirk hasn't made a decision. He's, I think he's going to run Spencer Petrus back out there. I think that's a mistake um, at home because he's probably going to get booed. And I, I, I think maybe it'd just be better to kind of not play him unless you have to play him. I mean, if you're college football fans, like if you want to watch the fail bowl, like this is the weekend for like some real sickos. If you don't know what's happening this weekend, it's all over this one. Yes. The sickos committee is all over Northwestern Iowa this weekend. Like, what is your score here? What do you think, uh, Tom? Is this like six, nine? Is this the same thing as Illinois, but just an uglier six to nine? Is it three, nothing? Does anyone cross the 50? It was, I, I was, uh, joking with my, my buddy Louie, who covers Northwestern, and we were mm. joking about the final this week, and uh, he threw out 8-6, and I said, okay. so, so four four safeties for, for Iowa and three mm. safeties for Northwestern. You know, it might be it. It might be it. I mean, it's just... Uh, well, what happens if they don't go bowling? Like, you look at the remainder yeah. of the schedule, they don't... Yeah. I don't think they're going to make a bowl. I look at no. this, I'm like, Purdue's probably a loss. I think Wisconsin's probably a loss. Minnesota on the road's probably a loss. Like, I don't Maybe. think they're going bowling. Yeah, I, I think, um, like, ESPN's FPI would probably suggest that maybe they're not going to get to a bowl. But I, all the bowl projection people still seem to think they're going to get to six and six. Hmm. Um, so when you the, look at that, who do you think, who do you feel best about? So they have this Northwestern weekend, this weekend. Northwestern, uh, Nebraska, uh-huh. Black Friday. Um, and then maybe Minnesota. They PJ Fleck hasn't beaten Iowa yet. Huh. They just have his number. So, um, and I'm not convinced Wisconsin's turned things around. Um, you know, I, it wouldn't, truthfully, wouldn't shock me if they won out. It really <laughs> that would be the most Iowa thing possible. Too. It would be. It's like, that's why I told a friend of mine today. I said the most Iowa thing ever would be that they just, now they just catch fire and they win five in a row and, 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 you know, look competent on offense and, uh, and end up, you know, eight and four in the season. And everybody's like, well, what were we all worried about? You know, and everything will be hunky dory again. Do you still think it's a hundred percent chance Ference and his son are back next year? Do you think that there he's inching towards where he's just so mad that it just is a retirement? Cause it's just not fun anymore. I don't see him retiring. Okay. So um, now I don't know about what's going to happen with Brian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would be really tough to bring him back if things continue down this road, if they continue to be 131 in the country. Um, but I think it, I don't I don't see him firing his son. I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. Um, but I could see him. Uh, what I wait to see is if like Bill O'Brien mm. is one of 
Brian Ferentz's best friends. Huh. And so if, if they were together at New England, um, and, and so they're they're very close. And um, I think Brian's actually called him like his best friend in the business. So hmm. if if Bill got a a head coaching job somewhere, Georgia Tech maybe, then he could yeah, then he could take him and make him the offensive line coach and kind of rehabilitate him a little bit. And yeah. And then Iowa will go and hire someone like Paul, Paul Christ. Christ. Yeah. They'll hire Paul Christ. hundred <laughs> percent chance they'll hire Paul Christ. Which honestly, I think if you're an Iowa fan, that's just the current state of affairs. You're just like, I think that's an upgrade. Uh, I don't know. I think we feel better about that. Um, I don't yeah, know. Like, is he ever going to, do you think he ever runs like a more like we're not talking about the air raid like he's never going to run the Mike Leach stuff but do you think he ever evolves to that point with Nick Saban where he just hey enough is enough I don't like this play style but I know this play style wins you don't think he ever gets there I don't think I don't think he can recruit um those kind of guys those kind of guys where Nick Mm -hmm. Saban could do that because he could go get um you know Jalen Waddle and all Mm -hmm. those you know he could go get talent he'd Mm -hmm. go get four or five star receivers to run that stuff and, and be dynamic. And I just don't know that Iowa can do that. I don't know that the climate would allow it either. I mean, it's just, although Purdue does it, but they don't do it to any great success. I mean, it's not the air raid, but it's Mm -hmm. Jeff Brom throws more bombs than anybody in the country, I think. So he's, he's always about stretching the field. So I don't know. Who has been good? What's the positive? Who has been a positive that you've enjoyed watching on Iowa this year? Who, who's there's there's a couple guys on defense that I've really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Campbell, linebacker, yeah. probably being all American. Um, he's a terrific player, and frankly, he's holding this team together. Kevon um, mm-hmm. um, Merriweather, one of the safeties. Those two guys, because as you know, there could be a lot of finger pointing going on right now with defense busting its tail and not getting rewarded and having all these short fields to deal with and put out fires all the time. And uh, they just, they've just hung in there. And Mm -hmm. Jack's one of the chief guys that's doing that. Uh, I would put uh, Cooper DeGene on that list. He's a cornerback slash cash, um, which is kind of like their hybrid guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So about a linebacker and he's like a, you know, fifth defensive back, but this kid is just, he's, he's special. He's sophomore, uh, but he is going to be a good one. He just, things happen around him. It's just hmm. always, he's always seemingly around the ball and making things happen. Um, and I would talk about uh, probably Logan Lee is another kid that I, I talk about at, uh, at defensive tackle. He's had a really good solid year. Uh, really provided a lot of leadership up front uh, for a relatively young group on that defensive line. I really can't give you anybody on the offensive side other than maybe Sam Laporta, hmm. the tight end, who has been good. And uh, he's Death been one taxes, of good Iowa tight ends. Good Iowa tight ends. He's been a bright spot, uh, but I expected him to be good. Um, just like I expected Jack Campbell to be good this year. So, Man, what it for fans that you've talked to, though, like, did they expect this coming in? Like, where are they at? Do they want Kirk back? Like, is there just, where is the temp? Like, where are they at? I think if you talk to the average Iowa fan, they would probably, 
I, I coined a phrase uh, back in 2014, and it was called Ference Fatigue, hmm. because he's been around forever. Mm -hmm. And Iowa's had two football coaches since 1979. Aiden Fry, Kirk yeah. Ferentz, and that's it. And, um, and it's just kind of like, it's not a flashy kind of football. It's kind of bland. Kirk's not, uh, he's a, Kirk's a tremendous guy, mm -hmm. terrific human being. Uh, but he's, you know, he's, he's like vanilla ice cream. You know, he's just, he's there. He's just, it's not, it's not going to be a, a razzle dazzle kind of thing. So mm -hmm. I just think people kind of, uh, stuff like that gets stale easily. So um, I, I think most people are probably like, yeah, maybe if he walked off into the sunset, but he's got a massive buyout. It's not Jimbo Fisher big, mm -hmm. but he's got a contract through 2029. Um, and if they um, relieved him of his duties, they would owe him uh, at the end of this year, they would owe him $42 million. Mm. That's... And... He seems like the kind of guy though, that would give a lot who would negotiate. Uh, yeah, I don't know if his agent would. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm his like... agent got that, got that, uh, got that contract. I don't know. I thought the contract was, uh, well, you know, I think it was just more of a, they negotiated that way because Kirk's been a really good, good guy for the university and he's been a great representative and a really good football coach. Mm -hmm. And I think they just did that just out of, you know, respect to him and, and what he's done. But let's be honest, they weren't negotiating against anybody else when they extended that and gave him that $7 million per year buyout. They just mm -hmm. weren't, there was nobody else out there. There was no NFL teams. There was no college programs that were, showing up going, Hey, we want to hire him. Mm -hmm. You know, he's 65, you know, 67. Now, um, there's just, I, I don't think there was anybody out there, you know, good for him that he got the contract. Yeah. It's great. But, um, on the other hand, I, I, but that's college football, you know, who are, who are these guys negotiating against sometimes when they get these giant buyouts, it's just mm -hmm. insane to me, but the coaches can hold that over them and say, I won't come there if I don't get this buyout. So um, that's their job security. Do you remember him being this edgy at any point before this year? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. 20, end of 2014. Really? Was, Who was yeah. that? Who was under center in 2014? That was, that was when they had Jake Rudock and then CJ Beathard was everybody yes. was Beathard. Okay. So they went in, They went against Tennessee in that in that uh, tax slayer bowl. Yes. <laughs> and got just demolished. With mm. in fact, Brian Ferentz uh, referred to it as the Hawk Slayer Bowl because <laughs> that was Jonathan Parker uh, stepping out of bounds at like the inch line or something. You know, just mm -hmm. feeling that kick off, and it was it was a disaster. I mean, it was like twenty eight nothing. Um, Dobbs was the quarterback for yep. Tennessee and he was just roasting them. It was, uh, they were going through Iowa like a hot knife for butter. And, uh, yeah, that was, and Let's hope we don't get Tennessee game, this year. And after that they, game, I don't think uh, you want him. Yeah. After that game, he got really snippy. He was snippy mm. with us almost the whole time. Um, you know, and, and like two weeks later, maybe even not two weeks, week later, he called a press conference uh, and it was very odd because it was in early January and we never have press conferences then. 
announced that C.J. Beathard was going to be the quarterback and essentially kind of apologized for being a jerk. Mm -hmm. And um, that's when he engaged with a public relations firm out of Des Moines that has kind of been with him. He's paying for it out of his own pocket. Uh, and um, they are advising him uh, after every game on what he says. So, hmm. and all of his media interactions. So, is that common it, now among a lot of coaches? I didn't know about this. Is this? Yeah, is this... it's. I don't know if it's common with a lot of coaches, but it's common with Kirk because hmm. I think he got some blowback from it, maybe from his own house, uh, and uh, um, you know, I think he realized he probably um didn't act in the right way and that's kind of what we saw at the end of the press conference today was that was that was a little flashback to old kirk where he'd mm -hmm. get kind of um snippy i guess or just kind of snarky mm -hmm. if, i guess is the, maybe the better word yeah um, kind of fired back after that column um i'm sure he read that column mm -hmm. and uh that doug Lay maurice wrote and that was his way of Firing back. Have y'all ever had a snippy interaction, the two of you? Um, every once in a while. Mm -hmm. I mean, but I've covered him for twenty years, so you're bound to get cross every by once odds. Time. Like just <laughs> with so many interactions, some of them have just to be like, awkward or yeah, but, but I think, um, you know, we know each other well enough mm -hmm. that it doesn't ever. He's not one of those grudge holders, really. Yeah. He's just, he's not. Does he like being asked about scheme and stuff? Like if you were to approach it, is that part of the issue is like the way they're approaching the Iowa offense uh, is maybe the concern is like ask him a legitimate, like ask him a scheme question. Oh, yeah. We ask him about, um, you know, if they're in 21 personnel or 12 yeah. personnel and, and you know, what they do in those things on first down. So we, and you know he's he's joked uh in the past they have like an analytics meeting on every thursday huh. because it's my least favorite meeting of the week, <laughs> you know just because he doesn't i don't think he really enjoys that stuff but yeah um you know he knows it's part of he's you know gotten more aggressive over the years on on fourth downs fourth mm -hmm. and shorts and things like that where he was going for it a lot more because the analytics were telling him that that's what he should do and he was just kind of following that direction. But, you know, this year, there just hasn't been any use for it because it's just been, it's been rough. I mean, and they're just, they're not very good in the red zone. They haven't been good in the red zone for a couple of years now. And, mm. uh, it has been a, and, and it's reflected in their total offense and their scoring, all those things. Who do you think is quarterback next, next year? For the Hawkeyes, who do you think is under uh, it? It will. I, I've already written this. It will be somebody who is not currently on the Iowa roster. The return of Deuce Hogan? No, Deuce Hogan is not coming back. No Deuce. Oh man. <sighs> no, the Deuce is uh, happy in Kentucky. I think. Mm -hmm. so, I, I wonder. Uh, is he the? Is he going to be the guy after? Uh, I um, think they've got a young kid that they played when uh, Levis was out. Yeah. Um, so I think Deuce was his backup. Hmm. So, um, but if Kirk retired, I'd st Mark Stoops would be probably the number one candidate for the job. <clears throat> number one candidate. I just don't think he would move. I think Kentucky's a better job right now. But I will say for the folks. Iowa holds a special 
place in the heart of the Stoops family. Um, Bob, uh, Mark, and Mike all they, play in Iowa, all wore number 41. Yeah. Their dad is buried in an Iowa number 41 jersey. Huh. Yeah. What about Bob? You talk about Mark. Would Bob take it? And I already he... asked him. I already asked him. He says no. <laughs> Do you think he coaches again, though? Uh, not at college. He doesn't like all the transfer portal and NIL and all that stuff. He just, he don't want to deal with it. Interesting. Um, Cause you know, his name's going to pop up for the Auburn job when it opens up, you know, oh, it's going to pop 100% up. hundred percent it will, but yeah. he's, he's going to be coaching uh, an XFL team. Yeah. But it seems like those, like he was doing that uh, this past year and he's like, I, I love this new thing. And I think this should be a, a normalized thing in college football where the legendary coach is always your default bowl game coach uh where bob stoop somehow Very got this on yeah like it's just the representative who, who just coaches your bowl game when you have a coaching change i love that that he just just pops in he's like yeah i'm doing the xfl or doing the afl or whatever it was i'll just coach the sooners i'll keep this thing moving yeah. while lincoln riley's gone it's fine i don't know any of these players anybody here but i'm he knew his son he knew drake his yeah son. that's 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 it um just like te- uh terry bowden popping out if Dabo takes an nfl job and he coaches the the clemson bowl game or something i don't know that would be that would be cool so you think it's in the portal though or do you think it's a freshman because oh it's a portal okay hmm. yeah they're gonna have to go um shopping for a quarterback and a receiver okay. and a running back a couple receivers <laughs> i think they feel good about their running backs okay they're, they're some skill there they got some talent they might go for a tight end I think they're going to try and get two wide receivers, um, maybe an offensive lineman. Uh, okay. I don't think they'll go for a whole lot on defense, but I think they're going to be heavily involved in the portal this year, which will be different for us because we haven't seen that a whole lot uh, during the, the portal era, if you will. But it'll be interesting because, as you know, uh, the portal is a is a um, – financially driven uh entry to college yeah is what it is. it's a it just is i mean you know people can deny it or they they all they want you know tennessee's got a great collective going mm-hmm. and they've been able to get a lot of players and uh via their collective iowa's collective is not iowa doesn't have like multi-millionaires all wandering around <laughs> everywhere they just don't so it's a little more challenging when you don't have that the wealthy donor base that where you can have 10 guys all say, yeah, I'm going to, I'll pitch in a half million dollars, you know, mm. sure. Go get me some ball players. Yeah. You know? it's Which is do- funny because it's like, I mean, under the, it's just above board now. Like this was always yeah. how college football worked. It's just above it board was, now. Yeah. It's just above what was, what was uh, the, an underground, uh, business is yeah. now above board. Yes, and uh, and I think that's part of the reason why Iowa fans are not as enthusiastic about it because it just was never a part of the culture. Mm-hmm. They just d- didn't. Where in the SEC, that is how business was done. Yeah, it's, it's the way it's been done for decades. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to wherever. You know, now it's just uh, it's everywhere now, and now it's just to survive you have to yeah, uh, go you have that way to have those things that's why Saban was probably mad about it yeah uh, you know because the underground way he was winning that way mm-hmm. now it's 
overt. Everybody's like, yeah, here we go. Well, it's just more challenging. Like it's just yeah. you, you have a lot more to deal with. And I mean, Tennessee's now in the point where, look, uh, we don't have to make this a Tennessee podcast. Um, no. But I will say, I, I just, and I was telling friends about this because I had them winning 10 games this year. Um, and I thought the jump was coming, but I looked at it, We're now at the point where I think Tennessee fans need to be ready for like with the portal changing up. And I'm interested to see how this affects stuff with national signing day being in December and the new portal windows. This is the first time we're going to see this, which should have been from the start. I don't know how this suited the portal without this being the case. Um, but I think Tennessee is going to be the school now where remember when Jameson Williams moves from Ohio state to Alabama. Tennessee is now at that level where the best portal kids, like the number one portal kids are going to reach out to Tennessee first. And that's just something that's going to be mind blowing where Tennessee, I'm just going to go and say, are going to get the insane portal edition and no one's going to see it coming. And it's going to be because like you said, with the collective, but also this offense, seeing it, um, Nico coming in, they are now at the point where the portal is going to pay off in a big way. They got destroyed by the portal in February of of 2021, where everyone yep. left. And yep. they Heupel had a really undermanned roster this past year. Now it's going to be the opposite, <laughs> where the, every player is going to be fighting for a spot because this offense puts up bonkers numbers. It's fun to play in 102,000 people in the stadium. Like they're rocking. They, have, they know that they can compete for a playoff spot now too. It's just that's that's where it is it's, it, it's amazing how quickly things can change for your your university now and i think it only makes it dip more difficult for these coaches so when you hear like we got to change the culture we got to do blah 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 it's like you don't have time anymore that's not yeah. not reality you have a portal yeah. you have this like you have two years like if you don't have to like i think it's just going to be a lot more turnover where man that those excuses that we need five years to build this thing brick by brick this slow you can't do it you can turn it quick. Yep. Um, and the, the other thing for Iowa that's going to be a challenge is they're probably going to have to pay a premium because kids are going to be skeptical of the offense if yep. you're a position player. It's just that's the reality. You know, you're going to have to pay a premium. Man. Well, how do you see it going? Let's end here, Tom. How do you see the rest of the season unfolding for the Iowa Hawkeyes? Well, I think they're going to win this weekend. I, I, okay. I, I think <laughs> This is circle the wagons. Mm-hmm. Um, although Fitz has been uh, has given them fits, uh, the pun completely intended. <laughs> um, Purdue is the following week, and Jeff Brom has owned Iowa. But mm-hmm. they just talking to some of the players privately um, this summer, and when Charlie Jones left, they're going to have something for Charlie Jones because <laughs> he left very late. Gracie, mm-hmm. um, they were fine with because he left early, and. and but Charlie Jones didn't leave until after like June. Mm. He was left and went in the portal in June after spring ball and everything. And he just kind of left. And, uh, it was weird. Um, I think they'll, I think they'll probably win three of the last five. I think they'll, um, they'll get um, either Wisconsin or uh, Minnesota and they'll get Nebraska. Okay. I'm, but I want to. Here's what I want to see: is is that the Black Friday game, Iowa Nebraska. I want Nebraska to get the five wins, and Iowa be at five wins. So it's two five and six teams fighting for a bowl game. I think that would be fun. That would be fun. Um, <clears throat> does Frank Solich coach the Nebraska bowl game? <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll still have Mickey Joseph. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, 
Um, that that's a job that um, because of NIL is probably going to be pretty attractive mm. because they're raising significant dollars for their collective. Mm. So, um, and, and that's going to be an interesting thing to follow is coaches making decisions in part based on what you're doing in NIL. Cause mm. I think that's going to be a thing moving forward. Tom, this has been great. I appreciate yeah. you coming back on the program. Uh, yeah. Well, what can the good folks check out from you this week? Well, um, uh, busy week mm. uh, for us, obviously with the game uh, coming up uh, also for, for Iowa. It, it, Thursday is a big day because it is uh, university of Iowa wrestling media day. Okay. So Iowa wrestling is big. Mm. It's, it's a giant uh, sport for, mm. Hawkeye fans. I mean, they'll sell out 15-5 for wrestling meets. Really? Yes. It's it's uh, a beloved sport. Uh, mm. So, um, And Tom Brands is a very dynamic, interesting, colorful coach. Mm-hmm. So um, we get to talk to Tom and Spencer Lee, who's generally considered the top wrestler in the country. Um, he won a national title with no ACLs. <laughs> years ago <laughs> that's the most iowa wrestling thing i've ever heard yes mm. so we got that uh coming up on thursday and then obviously the uh game on saturday so busy time said hawkeye report there you go go to hawkeye report today if you've not already subscribe all that good stuff ahead of the sicko committee bowl weekend uh, yes yes it's here it's here it's christmas for all of us sickos tom thank you so much and uh we will talk again very soon okay thanks for having me on Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.